Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber of the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer's at one market in San Francisco as Dreamforce gets ready to wrap up today. Futures getting some bounce out of those comments from the president on Fox a few moments ago that a China trade deal is, quote, potentially very close. Plenty to watch, whether it's these flash PMIs, Lagarde's first major speech, this Tesla Cybertruck. Uh, Europe is up 10-year 176 as we'll get Michigan sentiment in an hour. Our roadmap begins with Tesla's truck rollout, unveiling its first all electric pickup, the Cybertruck, and it is nothing like you've ever seen before. Plus, Wall Street is looking to snap a three-day losing streak. Stocks do seem to be set for a positive open, as President uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping says Beijing wants to work for a trade deal. And a roller coaster week for retail. Today, it's Gap, Nordstrom, Williams-Sonoma, and Foot Locker that are in focus. We'll get to the China trade headlines in a moment, but we're going to start with Tesla unveiling this first-ever pickup truck last night. Elon Musk says the Cybertruck will have a starting price of just under 40k. Production set to begin in late 2021. Musk touts the vehicle's futuristic design, the armored glass, but as you might know by now, a demonstration to show how bulletproof the glass was did not go according to plan. Franz, could you try to break this glass, please? Yeah. Sure? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, maybe that was a little too hard. Man, this is getting talked about a lot this morning. Jim, stock's down. Uh, Bernstein says it looks weird, like really weird. What do we think? Well, well, I mean, since they announced this, since Musk announced it, the stock is up 37 points from 317. Uh, the Cybertruck, to me, seems like uh, stillborn. Uh, when you look at it, uh, look, uh, there's no accounting for taste. Maybe some people make, like the look of it. But I, I think what's really important, and Philip went over this, it's just not going to dent the uh, Ford GM uh, Chrysler Dodge uh, hammerlock on the best part of the entire market. I just think it's going to be a bit of a bust. It, it, I, I'm calling it the Edsel, the E Edsel. That's my name for it. Uh, and that's not a, you don't mean that in a good way. No, I mean, the Edsel was kind of a bummer. I, I look at this thing and I, I do think that it's, it, it, there is a DeLorean aspect to it. Or that was a niche product. Uh, I think that the, the trick to trucks is that they all look like each other. Uh, that's what people want. Uh, and this does not look like anything. I don't know what it looks like. Bernstein's point, guys, uh, is that it'll be niche in their view. They're talking less than 50K units. Yeah, right. So that's not going to really move the move the uh, needle, so to speak, in terms of sales. I mean, it's going to continue to be the focus on what we're focused on now, right? I, I assume yeah. so. Although they say on paper, Jim, the specs look pretty good. Price is decent. Uh, six passengers, four-door. Uh, and claims, at least, that the, uh, the stainless steel alloy is... I don't know. Did, did Musk actually say bulletproof? Well, n- n- the window demonstration 
I'm going to say that was a, a suboptimal launch. The, the rock, the glass splintering. I don't know. I mean, you expect a lot when they do these things. When you do a rollout, like a Tim Cook rollout, or you do a rollout like an yeah. Elon you Musk rehearsals. rollout, you, te- you tend not to see the... the um, it's not a reason why to buy the truck. How about that? Is that the windows splinter? I don't know. Don't we want, like, pickup and, you know, don't we want semi-truck? I don't, hey, David, come on. I mean, you know, when you go to buy a, a pickup, which I'm sure you've done many, you know, you, what you want is a tailgate that's good, and you you want torque right. and power. I want torque. All those things. I like things. torque. I need a lot you of want torque. You want torque. That's what I, <clears throat> where's I the torque? torque. <clears throat> I don't know where the I, torque where's is. Where's the torque here? But, yeah, and you don't want people don't throwing want, rocks at you when you're in the backseat. I don't want windows that don't break. No, yeah, I want I want pickup trucks that yeah, I can use that that are like you know that are strong yeah. and powerful and, and have big ads during the NFL commercials. Yeah, built Ford Tough. By the way, Jim, it does remind right. us that yesterday Mary Barra did say that their first electric pickup will go on sale in the fall of 2021. So we're going to get a bit of a showdown, assuming both of these hit the uh, the floor at the same time. We like trucks that use a lot of gasoline, that smell like diesel, and are powerful. And I think this whole idea of e-truck runs against the ethos of what we're used to with pickups, which is just raw torque. You guys who talk in very deep voices tell you. Yeah, yeah that's what I want. Right, yeah. Chevy Get truck. There, do it. Yeah, we'll do that. Chevy e-truck. E-truck. Chevy yeah. e-truck. Yeah, I mean, come no on. That's not what we want. No, we want pollution. We want not for coal. us. We like gasoline. A coal-powered truck. Yeah. Thank you, David. Carry the coal in the back. It's good, David. Okay, Sorry. I guess I think it's we, Friday. We've Friday. Friday covered the, Let's go the on. Story. Can we go on to stocks yeah. now? Let's talk a little uh, stocks, as David okay. says. Uh, we are set to open higher on these comments from both the president and President Xi. Uh, president Xi says China wants to work out a phase one agreement on what he calls the basis of mutual respect and equality. Goes on to say, quote, as we always said, we don't want to start the trade war, but we're not afraid. When necessary, we will fight back. We've been act- working actively to try not to have a trade war. And then here is the president on Fox a few moments ago. We have a, a deal potentially very close. Uh, he wants to make it much more than I want to make it. I'm not anxious to make it. We're taking in hundreds of billions of dollars in tariffs. We never took in 10 cents. We are not paying like, you know, you, they fed the line, you know, the, the media fed the line about us paying. Uh, Jim said um, he told she that this cannot be an even deal and said he didn't say whether he would sign this uh, Hong Kong resolution that just got through Congress, said we are standing with Hong Kong, but I also want to stand with President Xi. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you really can do that. Uh, I think that the president is uniquely uh, doing some sort of what Gary Friedman from uh, RHDL Restoration Harbor talked about, uh, art of the deal, said it's actually playing out. Look, the president actually follows a lot of the companies that report earnings. And in almost all the calls, there is just, in particular in retail, people are moving away from China. When he hears this, he wants to string it out. He keeps thinking that the longer this goes on, the more the companies move from China, which increases his leverage. He's got the leverage. President Xi, I think the mainstream media just really loves a solid communist dictator. And I do think that uh, the idea that the president, he doesn't want even. I mean, he, he doesn't respect China. Uh, he also disrespects all the presidents who played with China in a way that, that people, that the Chinese like. But 
I don't know. Is there really a deal if he hates them? What is the no? So, all right. So, no. so what happens once we what happens once we get closer to uh, December fifteen? Are you expecting? Uh, no signing, and then a delay of those tariffs, or do they go into effect? That's and what, what does the I market expect. think of that? I think the market's fine. You got to keep stringing out the market. The higher the, I mean, look, we've had three days that we didn't go up because I, we've lacked the statement like we got this morning on on Fox and Friends, which is obviously the venue of choice now. Uh, but w- w- what do we get? We got I, 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 there's no we got direction deal, whatsoever no from those comments. Right, listen. There's going to be a deal. It's going to be fabulous, but there's no deal, and it's not good. I, mean, I don't know who else gets away with saying that. Can you imagine? Nordstrom was fabulous. The numbers were terrific, but the problem was the numbers were awful, and it was bad. I, I, can I get away with that, or will someone send me an email or something saying that that's not that's not right? The not president gets direction. away with it. Yeah, not a lot no. of direction uh, at this point. No, in terms I want to hear what Peter Navarro has to say. Stand. I know that there's not right. a lot of respect between Navarro and China. Now, Mnuchin, tremendous respect. So remember, I keep telling you, this is The Apprentice. These are This is the final episode. And one of these guys is going to go down the elevator and get into a yellow cab. And I think it's not going to be the Navarro camp. I think it's the other camp. They are headed down the elevator. And unless we use that metaphor, people do not understand the president. Are you specifically calling for either Mnuchin or predicting Mnuchin or Lighthizer's resignation? No, I think Mnuchin likes his job too much. He can still be sent down the elevator but, and not get a China deal. Look, Navarro is adamant that you've got to solve the seven deadly sins, which include stopping fentanyl and stopping the dumping. And the president's deeply committed to the Navarro agenda. He's not committed to doing more trade. There is a wing in the White House that we, I call the sportsman wing which is the wing at the Thornton wing, uh, the Hank Paulson wing. They, uh, Henry Kissinger, they want trade with China no matter what. And then there's Navarro wing, which is like we want wholesale reform. And I think the president's more committed to wholesale reform than they are than he is to, well, buy, to getting a lot of soy orders. I mean, Microsoft is now selling mass market software to Huawei, as they said yesterday, uh, something that even Chuck Schumer now says uh, is, is wrong and should not be happening. Well, I don't think it's anything. I mean, Chuck Schumer, yeah, uh, uh, that's not that's not national security. It's just software that to make your computers work better. That's a good thing for the trade imbalance. So I don't think anyone's really uh, in the Republican side going to be against it. Sorry, How Carl, about you can't How take any direction whatsoever from what was said there. Jim has typically had a more I'd say pretty decent record so far in terms of relying on his sources to try to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, Jim, you seem to think the market is okay with where we stand, even with the prospect of tariffs going on on the 15th. I want to isolate Macy's and Kohl's. I mean, we had a great number from Nordstrom, great number from Ross Stores. Again, Nordstrom is full price. The rack's doing well. Uh, Ross Stores, once again, value's doing very well. Foot Locker is fine. We are not being able to prove that Kohl's and Macy's represent America. Almost everyone else does, and America's very strong. Those companies are great read on the consumer. Their conference calls are uniquely all positive. The Nordstrom conference call was like, it was joyous. It's been so long. I felt like shopping. 
Uh, we're going to get through Williams-Sonoma, Ross Stores, Nordstrom, Gap, of course, Foot Locker as well. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash, Gap. countdown to the opening Gap. bell. Haven't yet gotten to uh, an upgrade for Uber yeah, today. Uh, this news on Bridgewater's uh, put option on the markets. Uh, take a look at the pre-market here. Squawk on the Street continues from the NYC in just a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Jim's wrapping up his week out west, and what a week it's been. So it's our last cross-country mad dash, at least for now, on this Friday. Retail's been a big feature this week, Jim, of course. Uh, you just mentioned sort of the outliers, Coles and Macy's. Tell me about Williams-Sonoma. Right. Look, Williams-Sonoma's really interesting because the call, I felt, was actually pretty good. But uh, Laura Alvarez just spent a lot of time talking about tariffs and did talk about how the tariffs are going to hurt the beginning of, the, of uh, next year. And I think that was the only takeaway that was negative, but it's the only one that mattered. I think that's a mistake. I think the stock ultimately could turn up. But anything that indicates that there's real problems with tariffs has led to sell-offs. This company's done a lot to be able to make it that uh, these issues are mitigated. But all the analysts were just, almost every single one, was focused on what the tariffs are doing. In the end, I just felt they wore down the story and made people feel like you got to sell it because the tariffs are going to hurt, particularly on furniture. I'm not buying it. I think you wait three, di- three days, and you buy the stock of Williams Sonoma. Do we know how much of their product is sourced from China, Jim? Do they give us a sense? They're talking about about half, and then they're saying that that will be in half next year. Uh, it's really interesting that some of these companies were so heavily China, RH the same, and this is where the tariffs uh, should have hurt them. But Williams-Sonoma's gross margins went up, which is why I am reluctant to join the crowd of, of, of furious selling, because I think that those people ought to rethink their view, given the fact that Elm, West Elm, had 14% comps on top of seven. That's remarkable. So the sellers, I think, refuse to think about anything other than the tariffs. I think their head's in the sand. The tariffs haven't hurt them. Uh, it's not Wayfair. Uh, I, li- I think right. Laura Albert did a good job, and the sellers are just trying to are just fearful of more tariffs. By the way, Jim, it is worth correcting uh, President Trump saying hundreds of billions in tariffs, I believe he said on that Fox and Friends clip. I think it's running at about $7 billion a month, which is significant amount of money, but it's not hundreds of billions yet. Well, this is the Facebook problem, isn't it? If that if that appeared on Facebook, would Mark Zuckerberg have to reach in and say that that's affecting a small group of people, a la Cambridge Analytica? No one knows what to do. I mean, the president, like he's he's prone to exaggeration. I think that's fair to say. Yes. Yes, I think it is. All right. Stay right there. You got to divide by I'll- like eight. Divide by, that's good policy. Divide by eight. Whatever number he gives you, yeah, divide, divide by, by eight. eight. That's our new rule. We're going to divide by eight. Okay. I'm going to remember that. All right. Stay right yeah. there. We got a lot more squawk on the street. I mean, you, Jim, and you, viewer, and everybody else. Happy Friday. We're back right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Putting to bed this week, a session uh, full of roller coaster surprises, both on retail and trade. Still got Michigan sentiment and those flash PMIs, though, for the month of November coming up. Opening bells in 10 minutes. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell in seven minutes as we uh, start this uh, Friday, last session of the week. Jim, uh, these uh, Eurozone PMIs had something for everybody. Uh, Three-month high on manufacturing, but 10-month low on services. I mean, uh, what is the takeaway from some of these? I think the, uh, some of the German companies are doing very well in China. Uh, Volkswagen just announced a gigantic deal with China. And I think that there is a, a turn. I guess Larry Kudlow would say some green shoots in uh, Europe. Uh, it's odd because obviously China's not doing that well. But you take a company like Lamborghini. Wow, I mean, they're represented here in Dreamforce. They are selling so many cars to China. That's a, a classic play. Remember, those cars cost about $400,000. And uh, I've driven one with my wife. I mean, they easily go 170, 180. But that is just, they're just doing so well in China that you're just kind of thinking, wow, they're just, China must have turned. I don't think they have. When you add up also the idea that Tesla's there, uh, people are feeling more robust about the auto market in China. That's new, and it's certainly not what Ford's seeing and maybe not what Mary Barra is seeing. We're going to keep our eye on that. We'll see what the, the figure comes in for uh, for the U.S., obviously try to get some impact of these rate cuts. Then Lagarde, Jim, gives this speech, first major speech after three weeks on the job, in which she really talks about a policy mix. And some are arguing this morning that maybe it's an admission that negative rates have not really worked that well, or at least are out of gas. Well, negative rates just are, uh, I think, to me, much more of a ploy of stealing our, uh, our share. And that's what I think the president's really not been that articulate about. But that's what this is about. No, negative rates are just a way to be able to capture uh, sales. Uh, they don't work any other way. I think negative rates show a lack of confidence, makes us feel like the banking system over there. Remember, the largest bank is, I don't want to imitate how uh, David might call it, it's Banco Santander. And uh, that's an odd thing, given the fact that the German banks and the French banks used to be very big. They need to fix their banking system. And that's why you have negative rates in part, because it's really hard to get a loan. Uh, and they try to get it down, but they can't. You keep the, keep the euro down, 
and try to fix the banking system and you'd get more robust Europe. But there weren't good car registration numbers this week. Negative rates continue to befuddle many people. I mean, you can talk to totally. you know, and people can come up with reasons, but they, they still really do scratch their heads at how exactly they got there and how they're going to get out of it. I, look, they got to have they have to break down some of the regulations. Uh, they absolutely have to make it so that uh, that they solve Brexit. Remember Brexit? Yeah, I do. Brexit's We're going to get an election in just December, a few weeks. right? Yeah. It's very bad. They got to solve Brexit. Too many people think that Brexit in Europe is going to lead to four or five days of chaos. I totally agree because nobody knows what the duties are. Well, that brings to mind this uh, this put option out of uh, Bridgewater that the journal's reporting Ooh. on. A uh, billion dollar bet that the S&P or Euro stocks goes down by March. Bridgewater does say in a, say in a statement that any one position uh, cannot be used to deduce the motivation behind that position. Uh, but we've heard Dalio talk pessimistically about social order, uh, markets, currencies. Yeah. Um, his last interview on our air was a little disjointed, I thought, in terms of him trying to at least articulate his overall views. It, w- it wasn't about the market as much as it was about the future of capitalism. Right. Bridgewater, as yeah, Leslie just- Picker, who's followed it, has pointed out, didn't have the greatest year, hasn't had the greatest year this year. Uh, I don't know, Jim. You know, what's interesting is at least they're doing it with Wall Street banks. Some people always wonder they don't leave any footprint in the marketplace whatsoever at Bridgewater. People have always mentioned that to me. Where are they if they're so big? But in this case, at least the journal reporting that they're doing it with names we know like Goldman Sachs. Well, I think it's refreshing to have a hedge fund manager say really negative things and then actually put a bet out rather than just kind of try to say that he's worried about world capitalism. You're absolutely right, David. He he has a very ethereal view. He's basically talking about the collapse of civilization, and he's buying puts on civilization. Uh, To me, it's been a sucker's bet. I I, I would rather buy the calls on civilization that Warren Buffett always does. Call, not necessarily options like the Nigerians. There's not that kind of uh, uh, unusual option activity, so to speak. But I think the Buffett side of progress is better than uh, Dahlia's side of lack of civilization. Uh, Jim, as we sort of wrap up retail, you got two camps this week. You had uh, Walmart, Lowe's, Target, good, and then Macy's, Depot, Kohl's, bad, and then you had the uh, the final ones in today. What what is the what would you say the takeaway is from all of that? Uh, I think some. I think there's weakness in apparel. Uh, particularly in women's apparel, that's been called out by many. I think that there's uh, more weakness. Uh, the gap was just terrible last night. And splitting the gap into Old Navy and Gap, I think, is just a deck chair, a titanic deck chair. Uh, but I do believe that if you've got an off-price strategy, like, by the way, Nordstrom had, you're, you're doing okay. So it is have, have not. If you're using a lot of technology, like a Salesforce technology, you're doing it incredibly well. Split it between Louis Vuitton, that uses a tremendous amount of technology, and Tiffany, which uses very little technology uh, and is mall-based, and you get a situation where anything that's in the mall gets kind of either destroyed or taken over. Destruction usually being the operative term. That Macy's quarter was terrible. It, was there anything you liked about it? Um, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, if, if you give me until, like, when I come back, I might yeah. have something. I mean, you know, like, on Monday, 
Maybe I'll go to Macy's, yeah. see something I like. Maybe a sale. Okay. They have they have constant sales. No one wants to. You have to do everyday no, low price, okay? Or you have I, to do. I have to right. do online. Target, Target, Walmart, Costco. And by the way, can I just say for the record that Home Depot wasn't that bad? Everyone's trashing the Depot. Depot still had better same-store sales than Lowe's. They had a glitch. I know that they didn't defend themselves. It was a bad conference call in a good quarter. The conference call itself was very much uh, disappointing versus the usual conference call. Yeah, I mean, their, their sales outlook, Jim, is the lowest it's been in several years for the full year. But you're right. Uh, comps 3-6 is uh, pretty good given the overall state of retail. I mean, Let's get the opening Gap, bell and the S&P. S&P 500 at the CNBC Real-Time Exchange of the big board. Crane shares highlighting its uh, Bocera MSCI China A-share ETF at the NASDAQ PropTech acquisition, a blank check company focused on real estate technology. David, uh, you know, Jim mentions LVMH. And that sort of also puts into focus a week of M&A, uh, Tiffany, yes. PayPal, yes. Xerox, which I know you'll get to. And we're still waiting on the Schwab. We are. You know, the Schwab Ameritrade uh, talks. Um, I wish I had something to offer, guys. I find it kind of odd that I have not been able to sort of unearth anything that isn't out there. Obviously, we had reporting from our own Becky Quick yesterday uh, about a deal being very close. The Wall Street Journal following up yesterday, later in the day with its own reporting of what it reported as on-again, off-again talks uh, that could lead to a deal very soon. Stocks are backing off a bit. Uh, Obviously, we all know TD Ameritrade was just crushed on that infamous, that day when they all cut commissions, Schwab leading the way and Ameritrade need trade following. Um, they said $26 billion in the journal. We'll see. You'd expect they got a good market check yesterday, Jim. You know, that they wanted to see how things would trade. It didn't look too bad. Schwab shares were up nicely yesterday. Um, but you'd expect they'd want to get something out there if it was as close as it was thought to be. So uh, yeah, I'm still waiting. Yeah, this is strange. I, I, you it's know, strange. people know how to reach me. Um, I, uh, no, that's not it either. I don't know. I got nothing. I'm going to text. I'm going to text you now. Okay. Um, to see if I can't get you to say something. Uh, there is David. <laughs> this is astonishing that they announced this. They say it's going to be news after six o'clock, and then they say it's going to be coming up. I mean, David, I'm detecting a bit of um, of amateurism. Fair. Uh, listen, I, you know, I, no leaks happen. Stories get out there. It can be a bit earlier than had been anticipated. Uh, I would love to get a sense. Again, others reporting these have been on again, off again. There's some antitrust that always can throw. uh, You know, a board has to think about those kinds of things carefully. The additional time and effort that a deal may need in order to go through a tough regulatory uh, process. So there are any number of areas you could imagine would be sort of key points, not to mention price, which always is one, uh, or even social issues. But it's not as though the strategic rationale for a deal is lost on people, Jim. Oh, no. I, look, I think that the reason I say that there's a, a lacking, a, you know, just not clear about what they're doing, this would be a great deal. I mean, why don't you announce it? I mean, unless one of the, the parties balk, 
This is obviously fantastic for the industry, taking out a big competitor, saving a huge amount of money, making a colossus out of Charles Schwab, and doing what's necessary in, in an era of Robin Hood and great technology being against them. Robin Hood paying with $500 million in free money, uh, a deal that's, that's almost soft bankish, David, in terms of throwing money at something. Uh, they need right. to do this because of Robin Hood. I'd love to see a deal Monday morning. How about that? Okay, that sounds fine to me. Well, certainly, I'm hoping I can still get in there and get some reporting done, Carl, and actually Is it, is it still David about the phone? If there the is phone? anything to update. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm getting just not the right texts, not the, okay. the right people. How about this piece? Uh, Bloomberg did an opinion piece that uh, essentially Schwab broke Ameritrade to buy it, mm-hmm. knowing that uh, zero commissions would hurt them Way more, more than it hurts themselves. Given it's uh, not as a nearly as important a part of the business as right. Schwab. It's, it's, listen, it wouldn't be right. the first time something like that has happened and led to consolidation. There's no doubt. Um, yeah, there's guys, a lot another of talk about name. Robinhood equal to yeah. How much money has Robinhood taken in, Jim? Do you know? In terms no, of what they've actually, what they, their funding is? No, but, you know, David, that's, again, that same model of revenue growth, uh, no earnings, that the venture capitalists love out here. They love to talk about losing money. It's like, wow, I've lost even more money. I've lost big money in DoorDash. That's why we're going to kill Grubhub. David, it's this whole rush to lose money, of which SoftBank pioneered. Yeah, well, they if they didn't pioneer it, they certainly uh, brought it to a new level, didn't they? Um, yes. Still, though, even after WeWork it's, and, and, and others, that's still the discussion. In, in a, in, I'm, I know you're being somewhat sarcastic, but are people no, really David, still talking about that? Or they, do they looking for a return on invested capital and a, on a, a growth trajectory that gets you to profitability sooner now? Yeah. Well, yes, it's about revenue growth. And if you get revenue growth, a lot of people feel that profitability follows. Now, it, look, Schwab developed a model of taking in revenue growth by taking in assets. Uh, it worked. So Robinhood is kind of, listen, if I get millennial accounts, it will work. SoFi, same thing. Millennials are not going to the traditional. The millennials are going to what's free. That's, by the way, that PayPal deal, we didn't talk nearly enough about it. That's honey. And when you hear about it, millennials all use it. I mean, I talk to, millennials, talk to people who, are, who obviously have millennial kids. Uh, Lisa Ellis. Uh, Moffat Nathanson. Her 13-year-old lives on, uh, this is the best part of the whole PayPal call, when she talked about her 13-year-old loving honey. But the younger people don't, uh, younger people are in a different world. The younger people use Robinhood. We, we think of Robinhood as someone who robbed from the rich. Robinhood is someone who robbed from Schwab, E-Trade, and Ameritrade. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's Robinhood. Robinhood in tights. Yeah, no, no. David. Right. There's been a lot right? of Robin Hood movies. It's hard to keep up. Hey, David, you know what was great yesterday? I read through the whole Malone interview. I watched it. Did you? I did it again yeah. when he trashed Viacom. They have a great international presence. David, that interview, the whole interview, made me think so differently about so many, so many entertainments. Why is that guy not afraid to say anything? And by the end, David, was he saying I'll go to Ireland if, if Elizabeth Warren wins? No, uh, he didn't say. He, he didn't rule out moving to Ireland. He obviously did say he, he would support Bloomberg if that was a possibility and made it clear that he's not a supporter of President Trump, did John Malone. But you're not alone. Listen, I've heard from a lot of people who watched the entire uh, hour and eight minute interview 
our annual interview with John Malone, of course. Uh, so many things we don't show you on air that if you are really interested in the changing landscape in terms of how content uh, is distributed uh, here and around the world and who the winners and losers will be and how things are going to change, I certainly recommend listening to it. Uh, and in fact, you know what, Jim, I did want to come to a couple of things that I thought we'd highlight uh, again because... You know, Charter has been a great stock this year. It's a, over a $100 billion market cap company. I had the opportunity to talk to Malone about it, as a, they're a very large shareholder at Liberty, uh, and, John, and Tom Rutledge, the company's CEO. This idea being, and we talked about it, Jim, that if you shut down the video business, you'd actually make more money. Here's what Malone had to say in terms of explaining why that might be the case, and then you'll listen to Rutledge respond. It's been sort of discovered that that actually margins improve as you lose video customers and you you become less capital intensive. And so if you shrink uh, the video base and don't try and innovate the video platform, right, your margins go up, right. your capex goes down, your levered free cash flow goes up, and your stock takes off. Yeah. Well, there that is the narrative, and and it's true, but. I actually still think that there's margin in the video business, and it's not as great as it is in the broadband business, and yes, it is a little more capital intensive, but becoming less so. So I think that having a lower margin video business attached to a higher margin broadband business makes a lot of sense, as long as there's margin in the business. Sort of, I thought, an interesting back and forth there. We obviously pieced them together, uh, Jim, but uh, sort of giving you a sense. Charter's been a great performer this year, far above those prices uh, that at least Verizon was considering when it was talking to them about a potential purchase sometime back, or even SoftBank, of course, as well. I thought it was fabulous. The interview also talked about how you want to be in distribution. I want to spend billions. David, the Apple... The love for Apple, it took me by surprise. How about you? Yeah, me too. I mean, I thought he introduced a new concept, not, well, a, a way to think about Apple that I hadn't necessarily been thinking about it, which is they have all the connections. We know that. They can sort of get a sense in terms of how this thing is, is penetrating and what people think of it. That is Apple, the, the Apple product. Uh, streaming product, and then make their decisions about how much they want to spend on content as a result of what they're seeing. So it's going to be some time, but and then turn it on or off to a certain extent based on that, Jim. And I thought that was interesting. But he was positive, certainly, about their ability to at least gather subscribers, given, of right. course, they're offering so much of it free and they have so many devices, connected devices out there already. Yeah, I thought he hinted about the idea that it could be a long-term value to a subscriber. David, Viacom went ballistic. Viacom talked about how they really had a great international business, that Malone didn't know what he was talking about. They were very defensive and really felt that he trashed them unfairly. Uh, It was a bit of a backhanded. Shari didn't know what she was doing. We talked about Redstone splitting the company, being stupid. Now, the company kind of knows that it was, well, Viacom knows it was not a great idea to split. But, David, oh, my, the vitriol toward Malone. It was just stark. Well, John never, he doesn't take prisoners. He tells you what he thinks. He's always been a very good interview in that way for all the many years. You ask him a question, you get an answer. It's his opinion. He did say sort of, he means at scale internationally. Of course, Bob Backus ran an international business. It's an important business for Viacom. That should be said without a doubt. But I think he was talking sort of that they still don't have the scale globally that he feels you need. He comes back to that 
time and again, as you well know, Jim, as being a key, certainly to these business models in the current age, where it's not just about domestic subscribers, if you're going to go direct to consumer, or even if you're not. Um, and AT&T also pushing back, I should add as well, against his comments about HBO, saying this is not a replacement for HBO service, HBO Max. This is about getting new subscribers with an incredibly deep library and a price point they feel is going to be viewed positively. And so, again, as you might imagine there, also significant pushback that I received during the course of the day, as you might imagine, given his strong views that HBO Max is not necessarily going to be a product that succeeds. Um, One other area we did talk to Malone about was what's going to happen in terms of broadband. You know, you heard Rutledge talking about broadband, obviously the higher margin product. But he introduced this idea as well that you're going to start to see the potential for bundling on the broadband side. I thought it was an important point. We didn't air it yesterday. Take a listen. I would also encourage them to continue to do it as a value-added service for those people who are still in the big bundle and only make it a direct consumer product for those people who have already made the decision to cut, cut the cord on, on the distributor. And I would also encourage them to look to their existing distributors to be partners in that. Because those existing distributors, to the degree they want to stay in the video delivery business, will start to offer bundles of direct consumer products. Right. So I could see a world in which Discovery and HBO, for instance, are bought by people who have already cut the cord from Chart. Right. But they'll buy it through Chart. You get that. It's an interesting world that's still coming. On the broadband side, you can create small bundles of these direct-to-consumer products if they're available, put them together at some sort of discount, potentially, split a revenue to some extent, and obviously gain more subscribers. At least some interesting thoughts. I encourage people to watch the entire interview if they're interested, because John did go a lot of places. Carl? David, tremendous subtext, I felt. He says he wants international, that's where the growth is. He wants scale international, wants companies to be able to have tremendous distribution, be able to capture the names, capture what they can do. David, isn't that the description of the Sky Comcast combination, parent company of this network? To some extent it is, yeah. I mean, certainly Sky added an important international uh, distribution component for for Comcast, no doubt about it, with content as well. And obviously, we are going a different route at Comcast in terms of direct-to-consumer with Peacock, the ad supported. That's going to be ramped up much more slowly. The spend going to be a lot more modest than what you're seeing amongst the bigger guys. Great interview. Thank you. Guys, uh, markets uh, relatively aimless here, although Semi's having a little trouble getting out of the gate. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Bob? Flattish week overall and really mixed results. Retailers up and down. Just take a look uh, today. And again, somewhat inconclusive on the trading directions here. There's the Semi's up fractionally. Retail doing a little bit better. Banks a little bit better. Materials, uh, industrials here. Overall, modest upsides. I think the important thing on retailers is a lot of them were, well, the expectations were pretty low. So it's nice to see Gap was moving on the upside at the open. Nordstrom was on the upside. But again, very low expectations. The good thing about Gap, you can put up the retailers here, uh, essentially affirming the full year. Again, though, this is a sign of the low expectations there. And if you see, we're uh, 
trust me, they're trading on the upside. I think the important thing here is if you take a look at what the retail winners are this year, it's really a small group, folks. It's one company, Target, and then it's the discounters, Costco, Ross, TJX, and Walmart, all discounters. These are your winners this year, and when you compare them to the group of losers that are out there, it's pretty stark. The important thing is the apparel makers and the department stores have market caps now that are essentially mid-cap. I'm being generous. You can argue that they're large, small-cap stocks. So if you take a look at some of the retail market caps that are out there, Gap is a $6 billion market cap. Why does that matter? How about Target? $64 billion market cap for Target. Gap, $6 billion, a tenth of the size. Haynes Brands is $5 billion there. Nordstrom, five. Macy's, four. Haynes Brands, an underwear company, has a bigger market cap than Nordstrom and Macy's. You see what's going on here? These are essentially becoming very, very uh, modest impact on the overall markets because they've been down relentlessly 30 40% some of these stocks throughout the year. Very, very difficult for them. Finally, I just want to comment on the, the Wall Street Journal article on Bridgewater taking out what looks like very large put positions. There's a little less here than meets the eye, I think. It's very cheap right now to buy protection. So here's your VIX right now at 12. Here's some of the futures contracts in December, in January, in February, in March. And you see, while they go up, they only go up modestly, 15, 16, 17. This is hardly apocalyptic here, even going out into March. So what does this mean? Well, number one, if you buy 1% of your uh, firm's assets to buy protection this cheap, that doesn't seem like a crazy idea. That seems like a very rational thing. It's cheap to buy protection right now. Puts are about as uh, uh, are higher, and the, the VIX is about as low as it's going to get right now. You don't need to go in the money to be profitable. This is very tied to volatility. Volatility goes up, the value of those puts go up as well. So I don't think this is some kind of apocalyptic bet. I think it's a mathematical calculation that probably makes some sense. Guys, back to you. Uh, certainly, uh, Bridgewater's uh, uh, reflects their statement today, Bob. Thanks. Meantime, actor and comedian Sasha Baron Cohen accepting the International Leadership Award from the Anti-Defamation League last night. He used his keynote speech to tear into social media giants like Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg in particular. All this hate and violence is being facilitated by a handful of internet companies that amount to the greatest propaganda machine in history. The greatest propaganda machine in history. Let's think about it. Facebook, YouTube, and Google, Twitter, and others, they reach billions of people. The algorithms these platforms depend on deliberately amplify the type of content that keeps users engaged. Stories that appeal to our baser instincts and that trigger outrage and fear. Cohen's point, David, is that without universal truths, it's comedy jokes don't land. Uh, Ali G's not as funny if you don't get the original reference, which is sort of accepted broadly. Right. But it also goes to sort of impeachment this week. People cannot agree on basically the on, on basic facts truth. that we heard. The yeah. facts that we hear that, the, for example, Ukraine was not involved in any way in terms of uh, in, uh, in, in the 2016 election. No, you're right. He, he points to the fact that they benefit from from stories that are specific to whipping up the emotions of those who, who are reading them even more so because then it will result in more and more and more and that certainly seems to be part of the case and then we have such a different response from the various platforms in terms of what they will and won't police. Right and then Jim of course yesterday Dow Jones uh, saying according to sources Facebook is sort of adjusting their stance on political ads. Yeah, look, this is really important. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, a much more serious guy than when I've met him, than 
I thought the guy's a total heavyweight, and he's he's echoing, believe it or not, Mark Benioff's line. This is precisely what Benioff's been preaching. I'm out here because of because of Dreamforce. He's talking about the idea that, well, that Facebook's pernicious, uh, and it's it, it's seeping right through. I think I think uh, Sasha Baron's taking his cue from directly from Benioff, and they are great friends. Oh, they are. That's interesting. Yes, great friends. Very close. Interesting. Crazy times. We're going to learn a lot more uh, in the months to come as we get closer to the election season. By the way, check out our podcast if you can. You can listen to the opening bell hour of Squawk on the Street wherever you listen to podcasts. As the Dow up 57 has the S&P at 3110. Don't go away. As we look at some of the laggards of the week, uh, market PMI is in, 52.2 is better than the expected 51.4, Dow adding incrementally to its gains today. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. One of the most heavily shorted stocks going into the earnings was Splunk which is a company that does uh, data analysis and also cybersecurity. Doug Merritt had a remarkable quarter with uh, fantastic revenue growth. They're crushing the shorts. People recognizing that the cloud kings are back. They're all moving up, particularly on the backs of Salesforce. Uh, take a look at Adobe. Take a look at ServiceNow. You're seeing some fantastic, fantastic price gains. And I think they're justified. Splunk was terrific. Jim, highlight for the week for you out there? Things are really good in the economy and especially good in the tech world. The naysayers are, uh, they have their head in the sand. This was an incredibly bullish week, the most bullish that I've seen probably in my last, uh, I don't know, three or four dream forces. Yeah, all of those CIO surveys that talked about depressed uh, capital spending expectations are just surveys, uh, and what counts is the the bookings. You've got these data centers that are on fire. You've got the PCs that are doing well. Uh, You've got all these companies that are aiding businesses trying to digitize, go on the cloud. Uh, You only have maybe 15% cloud penetration. What a remarkable week. Some companies are just doing so well. I'm going to come back younger, more excited than ever. Jim, what's on Matt tonight? Well, it's time to talk to Clorox. They're based out here. We've got to find out. Five, nine, incredibly important call center stock that people don't even know. And then Anthony Noto is representing the future. Is SoFi the Robin Hood of cash? We've got to find out. Remember Robin Hood, David. Men in tights. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. At Capella University. You'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.